0: You, so we tried to record this last time, um, deep in the midst of December, but the fatigue was in the year end. And what, what did we end up discussing? Sex, <laughs> sex on a podcast that
1: no one will ever hear. Here ever. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them how to find it by going
0: to no. <laughs> so, um, thank you for continuing to actually listen to the Match Startup podcast. Um I am your host, Mashuri Mudau. And today I have uh Leander Chafter of the People's Fund and also Paybook. Um and so much more. Um Too much actually. I think the main reason why I wanted to do this with you, um, and not anyone else, is because you're you are the first podcast I put out last year as well. Mm-hmm. And until recently, your yeah. podcast was the highest listener. I saw your thing. I didn't even like it. I was like... Of, of course not. Because now my podcast, of, is, on my podcast...
1: Is number one. Is number one. I was number one. <laughs> like, and you tell me every week, and, you promote it? and
0: I was like, <laughs> no, it's just realness, you know? Like, I think people are lacking that. Like, the, the, the landscape right now, in terms of startups, in terms of entrepreneurship, small business, the narrative is so much... It's noise, it's nonsense. a lack of value. And the moment someone was, is honest, everyone wants to pay attention. Yeah, because it comes from a place I'm not going
1: to... You know, It doesn't sound like an echo chamber anymore. That's what's happening actually in all spheres of society, right? Like, especially entrepreneurship. It's an echo chamber of I started from nothing and now I'm here. You know, like a mama, I made it thing. And then when you actually look at the businesses that are mama,
0: I made it, they're not actually making bank. And that's what like definitely agree with that mm. my, my thinking around that is like i think i tweeted something about this i said um young black and doing something that's the story everyone wants mm. it's not necessarily how successful are you at doing that how incredible are you at doing that mm-hmm. it's like at least and like this up, <laughs> there was this there was this i there was this uproar on, on twitter right when, you know Rasta, the guy that paints everyone. Yeah, and that guy's going to be filthy rich. Every, every, every painting is just awful. Yeah, yeah. that guy's going to be filthy, disgusting rich. And, and someone said, Rasta's black and he's doing something, at least Mm-mm. supporting.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What's your thinking on that around entrepreneurship and small business?
1: I think, I think it was important in the landscape we live in that black people get involved in entrepreneurship. But maybe five years ago. I think now we need to do the actual work. Um, Income inequality is getting worse. Jobs are getting less. We need entrepreneurs that want to employ people, you know. Um, I'm tired of the fame of entrepreneurship. Um, The celebrity of it. Yeah, the celebrity of it. Uh, Black... So we so so background for people who don't know the people's fund. We do a lot of entrepreneurial funding in some way or another, either purchase order or asset. So we have to look at people's like bank statements and financials and things like that. And it's hmm, scary what we see in the market. You know, uh, our accountant says they find something similar. Uh, we use SM tax, and they say they see a million rand ceiling that most entrepreneurs don't pass the million rand mark per year. You know, and so when you think of a million, you think like it's a lot of money, right? But when you break it down to what it is per month and per day, it's like, it's chump change. It's 80k per month. It's two grand per day. Yeah. You know? We're struggling to do two grand per day in in turnover, not even in
0: profit, in turnover. Yeah. And obviously, that's not like the sort of climate or the sort of performance that actually leads to real impact in terms of economic growth. Yeah, because who are you hiring when you're doing 80k turnover? You're likely
1: net... Profit, let's be generous and say you make ten percent net profit. Yeah. Let's say twenty percent net profit. That's sixteen K. Right? At most you you're doing two jobs. Yeah. At most two decent jobs. Right? Like one of the other things I'm learning is that, yo, this market is actually doesn't pay very well across across the board. Like in South Africa, like shit, if you're doing more than fifteen thousand rand a month, you're well paid. You know? And everyone is also, you know what? It also feeds into this Instagram because everyone thinks everyone's rich. And then when <laughs> Sars releases that thing with stats, I say that only two percent of the country earns a gross income of more than nineteen thousand rand a month. Then you go, shit. Who who are these people that are balling? Like, where are they getting that from? You know, it's the same for entrepreneurship. There's a lot of balling entrepreneurship when you look on the face of it. But I implore everyone. Actually, I implore journalists. To ask for financials before they write a story.
0: But here's the thing. South Africa doesn't have journalists. And I'll say that very confidently, unfortunately. (laughs) Because I've had experiences where, you know, someone will say, hey, um, I'm very interested in what you do and Mm. I think it's incredible work. Mm. Um, Can you please answer these questions as if we met? Whoa. What that means is you don't necessarily want to actually engage with me in a meaningful way. Where you could actually get the full understanding and scope Of what I do, how I do it, why I do it And also the numbers behind what I'm doing mm. So that's what I'm worried about Is that if journalists are saying Here's the five generic questions that everyone asks entrepreneurs Answer oh, them a, Tell me the story that you want to tell sitting in one room Exactly Send me the picture and we put it on the, on the magazine We'll put it on the, on the newspaper We'll put it on wherever mm. And I think I, I've said this before if journalists or even just radio hosts started asking for financials before mm. they heard the story, before they heard the 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 comeback kid or mm. you know all that young black and doing something, if you ask for financials before you you just really ask for the for the real like like model. Mm. What's really happening? Mm. What are you really doing? Exactly. How are you really building this? Exactly. I mean. You know, like I saw a post
1: earlier this January, like beginning of January. Somebody saying, I'm really grateful for my year in entrepreneurship in 2018, right? And they got, then they listed the things they're grateful about. Donna, they listed their media appearances and awards, right? I sat there and I went, actually I wrote a post about it. I was like, I hope we treat... Uh, media and <laughs> I hope we treat media appearances and awards in entrepreneurship the same way we treated inbox for price this year, you know, so that we can get to the real. Sure. So just the culture of people saying, "Here's my product,", product but inbox I want me. you to inbox me yeah. before you. So I was like, I hope in 2019 we treat media and awards the same way we treated that in 20. But never, everyone loves
0: an everyone loves an announcement. Everyone loves an announcement. But if if you had to say what you are really grateful for in terms of your business. From last year, what would it be? Oof, one the number of entrepreneurs we impacted,
1: so it's over twenty entrepreneurs in the space of twelve months, like real impact, where we funded their purchase orders. Um, What's a purchase order for? Oh yeah, so 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 somebody gets so somebody probably manufactures something and they get a contract from a private entity or government to deliver that service. And they're gonna get paid 30 days after that um, thing is delivered so they don't have the upfront capital to actually execute on the purchase order so then what we do is we provide the upfront capital so sorry we're drinking guys so I'm gonna burp a lot in this thing (laughs) and what happens is um, they need the upfront capital to actually um, manufacture or deliver the good so we play pay their suppliers and then as a partnership, what we do is then we take 6% of their invoice value, right? So, if they've got a 100,000 rand contract, we'll take 6 grand from that 100,000 mm. um, for providing the capital, right? Um, we've been doing that yoh, six, seven months. Um, How's it been going? Really good. I mean, we've done about 1.3 million in purchase orders in that time, and yep. we don't do any purchase order above 100,000. Well, now it's 250,000 because it's grown. We've, we've been earning so because we take 6% of invoice value it fluctuates what's the interest on the capital where or rather the return from the capital we're providing so our average is 13% per transaction and the average transaction pays in like 40 days mm. so if you annualize that we're doing like 118% on capital which is like ridiculous you know it's good it's not good it's ridiculous it's ponzi scheme <laughs> level of money <laughs> so um so yeah that's 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 what i'm grateful for and also that We've got like a crowd of a thousand people now, right? Yeah. Who are participating? Who are participating in the crowdfunding exactly. model which guys are Exactly, and right? On. And they are getting the benefits. Thirdly, I'm grateful that we've paid back more than a million back to the crowd. You know, yeah. In in actual um, returns, in actual returns to yeah. the crowd, we've raised over three million from the crowd, so we've paid back more than thirty percent of the money we've raised from the crowd mm-hmm. by the entrepreneurs. So we're
0: proving so that it's sustainable. Would you say crowdfunding is this it's 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 a real it's it's a really viable for someone to go with crowdfunding instead of going you know the 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 route we've seen more. So whether it's the pitching competitions, which I think is flipping scam of a of an industry, right? Some people survive on pitching competitions. Literally, they, so there's a culture of that as mm. of just people going. You know what? I'm not necessarily running a business. I'm just running an idea. Yeah. And I'm gonna pitch this. Yeah. And win competitions. So long, win competitions and sustain and take, myself yeah. Not necessarily ever built, so that literally business. just selling a store. Yeah, so so it
1: depends also on the crowdfunding, right? Because everything is diverse. And they are pitching competitions that are worth their money. I can't think of them top of my head. But anything that uh, offers the ability to for access to networks that can actually grow your business. Like yeah. you're pitching in front of a bunch of corporates so that you can get money. That matters, you know? Not money, get, like, customers. Mm. I think that's the most important form of money you can get into a business, right? Customers. With customers. Because with customers you can finance anything and I think that's the objective of my life. Forget the businesses I'm involved in. It's to get to an understanding of finance where people are building building things with no money down. You know, like you're not putting money down. You you're using growth and real value to develop Things I
0: want to say things. There's not a word that's captive. (laughs) But I get you. You know? But back to the crowdfunding, what do you think of the viability of that in an African market, South African market? Like how, you know, you guys have a good year or more? Year and a half. You've got a year and a half under your belt now. Mm. You've raised the money that you've raised and, Mm. you know, you've paid back the money you've paid back. What do you think about the viability of it now? Especially with the experience you guys have had. So, the viability is firstly... Uh, framing for
1: your market, right? So, from of the, of the 3 million, 700,000 of writers come from the people's stock fell, which is a stock fell. You know, like basically people are contributing 100 and a month, which we've now registered to become a CFI, Cooperative Financial Institution, which the long term goal is to become a bank. Um, frame for your market. Stock fell is also crowdfunding. So, that's very viable. We're doing 50 billion a year as a country on stock fells, right? Find smart ways of getting stock fells involved. So, it is viable and secondly define your crowd as more than just individuals yeah for the south african market there is a lot of capital sitting with corporates and government and various other institutions find a way to tap into that you know from a crowdfunding perspective and i think things change very quickly you know like for example the purchase orders we've never there's never a time where we have enough capital for the purchase order requests we get i mean we get 5 to 10 purchase orders a day Yeah. Whenever capital is in our account, it goes out immediately after because somebody's purchase order has come in and it's due to be executed on. So we've been sourcing from a lot of private individuals and now we started turning to like uh, private individuals. And there's actually, uh, sorry, institutional investors, actually a lot of interest from banks. Um,
0: I'm very curious as to why a business doesn't have the cash flow necessary to sustain itself, you know. In those periods, like, why is a purchase order necessary? So, one, uh, they just don't have the money. Let's start there, right? So, mostly,
1: and because of the size we're playing at, it's people who get a contract sporadically, right? Here and there, they get like a, a hundred thousand rand contract here, a two hundred thousand rand contract here, but it costs them maybe eighty thousand rand to execute on the project or seventy thousand, right? You don't have seventy five thousand rand as a small business sitting around just like randomly, unless if you're a finance business, like ourselves, you know. Um, so they never have the cash, but they've got the ability to, to deliver on the service. And they've been most of the time they've been delivering to like uh, end consumers, not businesses. And a business will say, I need an order for uh, three hundred thousand, um, and I need it delivered in less than a month. Yeah, you're scrambling in that month to try to get this shit done. You know, yeah. so that's why the money doesn't exist. You know, like, honestly, if I told you the honest truth, my industry shouldn't exist. My business shouldn't exist. It shouldn't. Because I... That's I, how I feel. It, like, like honestly, if I tell you the truth, it's like, this is the funny thing that's going to happen now. We're going to be fetching corporates money to finance the purchase orders for the clients, for the suppliers that they are going to be paying. Like, stop for two seconds and think about that. That seems like such... It's, it's,
0: it's gross in... It's gross in inefficiency. Yes. Like... At scale even. <laughs> but not just gross inefficiency, but gross <laughs> inefficiency at, at scale. scale.
1: Yeah. So the crazy thing is this that all large amounts of any money that's made in any market is down to just inefficiency. It's spotting an inefficiency and bettering it. And and I mean that honestly, maybe there'll be cool things. Like for example, um, I think of Yoko, like there's gross inefficiency about getting informal merchants into start trading with cards because you have to buy a very big machine. I'll tell you what the
0: inefficiency is. So the inefficiency is South Africa's um, card penetration is at about 95%. Yeah. But the card acceptance from small businesses is at about 15%. Yeah. So this is like public information. Biggest barrier? Biggest barrier? Cost of card machines, firstly. Yeah. Yeah, education but also I, I don't think the banks have necessarily a investment to make sure that small businesses are operating at their best yeah I mean I just think there's a massive investment from guys like Yoko mm-hmm. to go you know what we literally are going to serve this specific market yeah to make sure that they are good yeah and then go you know wherever else
1: so what's interesting what you just said about banks is the similar reason they sort of have interest in us you know um It's because, it's like the innovator's dilemma. There is no incentive. I mean, we're doing transactions for, we were doing transactions under 100,000, now 200,000 below. So think about it, 100,000, 6% of that is six grand, right? You have to do do, due diligence and evaluate, firstly. Uh, And then secondly, it's not your traditional vanilla credit. So vanilla credit being how you know how credit works, right? Like, Mm. it's a new form of finding how... Can I validate if I can do this transaction? So they they don't have... They have to build a whole division to do that sort of thing. So the banks are not vested in doing that. And it's like, ah, these are very small margins, right? So if I do uh, 2 million in purchase orders, right? I'm like, shit, that's a good month. For a bank that's like, yo, what is that? Yeah, Like, that's chump change, Mm -hmm. you know? Um... So, yeah, it's like you're saying, it's like Yoko's fully focused on just that, right? Like, it's like us, we're fully focused on that. I want to call it the missing middle. Because our intention is after a year of using us, an entrepreneur should not need us. Okay. Because they should be at a level where they can go to traditional banking one, or they've got the capital resources to do
0: projects on their own.
1: So we should become obsolete. You know, it's like one of those things, weird business models. where Yeah, so you
0: guys literally play, but you guys are now also playing in the sort of business development yeah. space through that. Then. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, Thad has always been doing that, right? Um, that's true. So so that's an easy fit. So it's it's finding a balance for that. You know, like, one of the things why we sort of we pivoted a little away from the asset crowdfunding is that, the headache is, it's not the raising of the capital and the paybacks. It's the management of the entrepreneurs in that period. And we're paying for that out of our own pockets. So we're managing entrepreneurs only on the proceeds we get from the crowdfunding.
0: It's like, that doesn't make sense. When you think about it, and I don't know if you're willing to answer this mm. question, do we have good jockeys or not? No, we've got shit jockeys. I'm going to say it properly.
1: I'm going to say it prim and proper, straight. And if people are scared of the truth, you can go by fuck jockey, yourself. By
0: you jockey. just by the way, talking entrepreneurs...
1: Yeah, if people are scared of the truth, they can go fuck themselves. I'll say that honestly. Like, And I know that's rude or whatever. Fuck it. The truth is we've got shit jockeys. Um, part of it is training. Part of it is also attitude. A lot of it is attitude. Um, there's a really shit attitude there's a, there's an attitude of I deserve to be successful fuck that shit, nobody deserves to be uh, successful Yeah. You, like you put the fucking grind in, you
0: know, like learn nobody wants to learn, everyone wants to say I want to be an entrepreneur but all I want to do is the interviews fuck you. I've seen this sort of trend where people are starting businesses getting the, the media stuff and then just trying to shoot as fast as possible to the point where they are thought of as a thought leader in a certain space Mm -hmm. and then just, like, try and leverage that to survive. Yes, that's what ends up happening. That's how most entrepreneurs are surviving in this space. You
1: know what's crazy? Um, This is the other annoying part. So I've got a few friends who are doing... I've got one friend. Ah, he's secretive as fuck, so I'm not going to mention his name. He's doing... easily a hundred and something million a year. Yeah. Black. is one year older than me. Um... When you look at it, you think, ah, that's a boring industry, right? Um, mm. He doesn't want to be anywhere near any media. And you know what his reason is? I have not made it. At a hundred million. Years. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think the culture needs to change. And he's, he's got an accounting background, so there's that prudence as well, right? But, <laughs> sorry. But... I think the culture needs to change about what making it looks like, you know?
0: Yeah. Making it should be financial. So, have nothing to do with magazine culture? No. No. Radio interviews. No. Instagram likes? No. <laughs>
1: Talks at events? No. Talks,
0: brand influencer stuff. <laughs> I think that's, like, the craziest thing is, like, people starting businesses just to become influencers. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, like, uh, a gross, like, that's another just so, Wow. Where are we in the landscape where people are going, you know what, I need to start this business, I need to grow this business, but you know what, the real bank is in me getting brand sponsorships or brand partnerships Dude, with whomever, man. wherever, and just like going off of that. So, you know what's interesting about what you just said? Um,
1: everything is nuanced and there's fine lines in life, right? Like there's, so there's a fine line between genius and insanity, right? There's a nuance, Right. So if your bra- if your business can fit with brands, where brands are sponsoring your goods or your events and things like that, kudos to you. Definitely. Right? But that's very different to brands sponsoring you. Like as a person, as an individual. Yeah. You know? Um and that's that's the nuance that seems to be tripping a lot of black entrepreneurs over. I you know what I say black entrepreneurs because I don't deal with a lot of white entrepreneurs you know it's not i'm not trying to malign is that the word fuck i'm forgetting i don't know what january i forgot what the word is but i'm not trying to be mean to black entrepreneurs i'm just saying that we've got a lot of a lot more work to do
0: we're way behind and we should be working four times as hard what do you think the 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 thing is like how do you catch up how do you surpass? learn finance (laughs) <laughs> like, like learn finance So I'm a guy You know Running a food <laughs> business The first thing Learn I accounting learn ac- First th-
1: thing is Learn, ac- <laughs> learn fucking accounting yeah. So, so, so this, um, The same friend I was telling you about um, One of the things He did to help Some businesses there's He'd sit them down And go Donna You need to be Counting the chips You're putting In your fucking bread Because you're selling This thing for 15 rand What's that based on like what's, what is that based on? So your mistake is you're churning a lot of cash. So that makes you feel like you're making money, but you're not. You know, like know your costs. You know, like know Gucci. If I take a scoop, 100 this many grams, I'm using two rand worth of potatoes. I'm using, and then look for a 60% margin on that, right? So if two rand worth of potatoes, I should be selling it for 350 or whatever, right? That captured in the cost of that, of those chips. And then within the entire quarter, first thing, learn accounting. Because you know what accounting teaches you? How to scale. Because you know what your levers are. Because then you can start looking. When I put 100 rand in here, I get 300 rand back. Yeah. If I put 200 rand in here, I get... Cause, and that's part of why most of these entrepreneurs who, who, who do well in media struggle with scale. Because they've built all of that clout on how much noise they can make. You, it's very hard to scale noise. Because you have to keep doing gimmicks to stay yeah. relevant, Right. But if you're paying for your marketing, like there's metrics, right? Like you're looking at numbers. Like, yeah, and
0: You can see where the, you know, where the engagement is, you can see where the actual conversion is.
1: Exactly, and when you see the conversion, you see it's costing me 20 rand per person to convert. Okay, um, it cost me 30 rand to do my service, right? Whatever it is, or, or create my product. I sell it for 100 rand. I'm making 50 rand profit. I can scale up the marketing, right? Now, instead of spending 300 rand a day on marketing, I can spend 10 grand on marketing, right? I'm making a loose example. And then from there you can get scale right and also accounting also forces you to learn systems you know like systematizing your business it's like systematized for scale we don't we don't build for scale we like one one man shows that are good salespeople. people in no back office nobody to make sure that shit works properly and don't get me wrong i'm no i'm i'm not perfect in this regard in any way i'm still learning right and there's things i need to fix you know um, constantly but one of the things I love is building systems, you know, around a product, right? Like purchase order is starting to have a system and it's, it's hitting scales, like slowly but surely. I mean, when we started six months ago, the first purchase order, the first month we did about 100K, then four or five months later, we did 600K, right? You know, like you can see the growth. So it's like 100K, then I think it hit 200, then 400, then 600K in one month. Then you can start seeing, holy shit, if I systematize this properly, easily by end of this year, I could be doing 10 million in purchase orders a month. You know, yeah. that's a hundred million rand business. You know, like, and it doesn't look that scary anymore. You know, like building a, and that's what we need to be building. I remember the thing I was discussing with you, uh, 10x. Yeah. I want to do that podcast so that we can get the real out. You know? Yeah,
0: you don't flipping announce that now.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm keep quiet about it, guys. Look out.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, we can go back to the crowdfunding, but more like of a pivot. So, yeah, what do you think of VC? What do you think of um, grants? What do you think of NYDA? I mean, I'm thinking about just the landscape of funding in small businesses in South mm-hmm. Africa. What are the other options other than the crowdfunding? Which I feel is still, you know, something that people definitely need to explore. Mm -hmm. So what do you think should be the next option? So crazy story. One of my first businesses
1: actually got funded by NYDA. Yeah. Application didn't even take that long. Applied. um, They did uh, due diligence. I got a great officer who was telling me how to do the application properly. Month, month and a half. I got the money I needed. How much was it? It was not a lot. It was like 50K. Okay. You know um they even showed me how to do help me do my accounts so that because what so i had multiple accounts were operating from the business one and they were like look man
0: this
1: other account of yours is operating at a higher level so you pass the threshold so display this account so that at least I hope i'm not saying they were doing fraud i don't know i don't know but, yeah, like, no connections. I'd never met these people before, and they helped me. You know, they were helpful. I don't know now. I can't speak for now. This was, yeah. like, four, five years ago. Um, definitely look at IDC. Mm. As long as you're a functional business. And also, mm. this is the interesting thing. Most businesses that can get funded don't go out looking for funding. Yeah. Because they are hustlers. They've been making it work
0: with nothing. Yeah. Um VC we're not there. No, nowhere near. We're nowhere near where no we need to near. be, right? Maybe, maybe maybe I mean you've seen, you know, a bunch of different um, South African tech startups, African tech startups get funding, but it's often and most commonly not from South Africa. Yeah. One. And if it is from Africa, it's with, you know, a partner that's coming in from Europe or mm-hmm. America.
1: And also they they've got a global view, so they're looking at Innovations that can affect the global landscape, right? Which doesn't speak directly to the direct market we what, come from. What, what
0: do small businesses need to be looking at to get the money?
1: Fucking get sales. Like, I'm tired of <laughs> saying this shit. Like, I say it over and over. Find a fucking problem find a solution, cost your solution, make so the cost of the solution is lower than the cost of the problem. And people, this is very hard to understand. When I say the cost of the problem, sometimes problems, if you're really innovating, sometimes a problem, person doesn't know it exists. The cost is time or cost is, you know, like one of those things. Yeah. So when I say the cost of the problem is that if you can demonstrate to someone that you're removing, like for example, um, a good example would be the Verimark products. You know, like some of them, they're very gimmicky but there's a lot of them are very very gimmicky but there's others that when you're at that level of income it's like oh shit i don't want to worry about this anymore there's this mop it's a really cool mop we've got it at home um so what you do is you mop you mop then you take it and it's got the spinning mechanism as you push it down it's 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 ringing the mop and then you pull it out so you're never touching the mop with your hands right like I was like, fuck, perfect. I hate cleaning. (laughs) So I can do this even when I see a spill. I just pour some water, some soap, and then just mop, right? Like, that should solve my problem. The cost of my problem is the inconvenience of hand-smelling like chicken, all of that, other things. Mm. That's a big problem because that's like a 15-minute job or half an hour job instead of it being a two-minute job. Yeah. And I value my time, right? So I'd buy that if it's 200 rand for... Because if you start calculating it and you're extrapolating, it's like worth... A few thousand rands, you know, in problems. So that's, find the cost of the problem. Make sure your customer wants, is really affected by this problem, sell it to them. And a lot of people go, but then I need money to start up and build this thing. No, go get fucking off-take agreements. Get people to agree that once, What's the off-take agreement? Yeah, okay. Off-take agreement is usually You see,
0: we don't use terms on terms, this podcast yeah. that are not explained. Yeah, We are not going to do that. Fair. I want I want Fair. anyone and everyone to be able to listen to this and, and go, you know what, I understand what, what you are talking about. about. Yeah. So let's go. So off-take,
1: off-take agreement is somebody saying, look, I will take X number of your goods if you have the capacity for it, mm-hmm. right? And this capacity could mean, or even letters of intent. Letters of intent, I have an intent to take your product, right? So... You'd so I'd use a typical example that happens a lot of times in the market. A big corporate says, You go pitch to a corporate, tell them what you do. Then the corporate says, I like what you do. So, what I'll do is I'll take an offtake agreement of let's say 5,000 units, right? Um, per month, right? On condition that you can deliver this quality or this level, right? Now, this is when you're still pitching the idea, right? You have not spent a cent on manufacturing and etc cetera, etc cetera. then you take that offtake agreement and you get it financed usually through a bank or whatever so if you want to get financed as an entrepreneur get business, that, that's the crux of it get business, getting business makes it easily financeable you know like, cause every, you know what the other problem is, the success stories are the tail end of the story
0: you know, oh yeah, it's never it's never, oh, the, no. like, it's never like the grind how, how it starts, the, how the, the, the bullshit that you actually go yeah. It's always the the, the, the... the I think it's always the beginning, which is... Mm. Oh no, I'm a young black boy that comes from a very Yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and then the end, which is... I found a solution and now I'm a superstar. Yeah. That middle part is not something that looks great on magazine covers. No, it doesn't. So no cool. one's going to discuss that part. And it's also dangerous because...
1: You know, like sometimes I talk about this. They'd ask me, so... How did you guys start the People's Fund? You know we started... people's fund with a three thousand rand loan from one of the companies yeah our own companies you know and since then okay one of the partners um, put in operational capital um which was much needed um but the start but at that that time we had already done two million Mm. by the time they came in to do because now they can see it's a running horse But when we started, we put up, we risked three grand and used our resources to get it started. Mm. And then that first week, we did 15,000 rand in sales, you know. And then it started accelerating, you know. Like, then you start looking at it and you go, there's something here, you Mm. know, with very little risk down. But that story does not tell the story of why it was founded by three companies with experience in the market. Because we've burnt multiple times.
0: You sort of know what the market wants you're not coming in there with you know naivety exactly. or anything like that exactly you have a very realistic exactly. experience view exactly. on what's actually happening in the market exactly
1: although you're still going i'm as dumb as fuck, so i'm going to go into this dumb as fuck. i know nothing about this industry let's see yeah. what happens here and we got a lot of luck happen yeah. you know because um this is a call out I love you when I say this, right? Um, so when we started, we had three campaigns. Uh, Tip of the Gene Maker, mm-hmm. um, Litabo Walk Fresh, yeah. um, and Native Nossi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we did the three campaigns. All of us, all of us, our money was on uh, Litabo outdoing everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, Tepo maybe coming second, and then Mukhari. Oh yeah, it's a nice campaign. At least there's a woman on the platform, and that was actually the thinking,
0: right? Like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily anything, she was qualified or anything. You felt,
1: yeah, like, well, no, she was qualified. Her her, okay. her, business, her business made sense. Like, her business made sense. Okay, and I did tell her that I used to sell veggies or organic vegetables. Yeah, um, the white market is gonna love your shit. You know, okay. like you're just not tapping into. So the, you've got a,
0: you've got three horses in the race. Three so. horses in the race.
1: We're saying the first person is going to get, it was just a popularity thing. We were like, the first person is going to be
0: Litabo, second is going to be. Was that your perception? Was yeah. that it's going to be off of popularity versus popularity. actual
1: product? No, yeah. just on popularity. Yeah. And then Mukhadi raised twice the amount. Um, that she wanted to. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Yeah. And a brand new crowdfunding platform. And it could have been much more, but of course our technology wasn't as great when we were starting. So, there's some sales that fell through the cracks. And the other two, Tab I think did 40% of what he was going for, Tab I think did 20%. You know? And that was like... You think you know... Why do you think that was? So product appeal. Um, Firstly, who's buying online the most, Uh, white white middle-income suburban woman. Honey is not a product that's consumed a lot in the black community. That's the first thing. Now, litabo and tepo enjoyed popularity in the black community, right? Um, yeah. But it's it's something we need to address even with the black community. Um, we're not buying from our own. We like to like and share and comment. We're not we're not buying. we So although we have to shit on the entrepreneur, we also have to shit on the on the consumer. You know, whenever we have a problem. I'm going to make a loose example. Food lovers, right? Last week got shut down. There was a rat there. Not a single person came out saying, I, these white owned companies. Yeah. They just said, food lovers. But, if food lovers, it's a black company. The word that would precede every complaint about food lovers would be, these black entrepreneurs. You know, like we've got an inferior complex.
0: And also, I'll tell you honestly. I've seen this complex and I've, I've seen various different sort of complaints and where someone has had a bad experience with a business that happened to be black mm. Mm. or black managed. And the complaint was not, hey, this business wronged you. Mm. The complaint was, Ay, we tried to support your guys' black. black businesses. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And do you know who's complaining about I'm going about? back to my default setting. Yeah. And do you know who's complaining about
1: black businesses? Black people. So, <laughs> this is the interesting thing. Honey is not a product consumed by black people a lot. I, I stand to be corrected, but that's what it seems like, especially online. Um, and also, contributing to a crowdfunding campaign. The, the comments we got a lot from the black community was, what's in it for me? You know? And it was like... And that, that I do not blame them one bit why I do not blame them, it has to do with self actualization, you know, like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, um, black people are figuring out the next step, you know, like we've moved some of us have moved out of survival, but a majority of us are still in survival mode. Um, and we're grappling with middle income, so sexual actualization is the last step, you know. Now, white people are concerned about. What's happening for the next 30 years on the planet right generally because i know somebody's going to come out saying don't paint all black people with this brush and it's like it was a generalization for the general psyche anyway um so i understand where it comes from and that's part of the pivots we did with the people's fund because we wanted the people's fund to appeal to black people so that black people solve their own problems right because there's there's something that would concern me because, I mean, there was a time 80% of the people crowdfunding, and they knew it was 51% black-owned companies. That was the criteria. Some of the people, 80% of the people crowdfunding were white people, right? And I was like, oi, guys, oi, oi, what's going on here? And then we learned it's a framing thing when we started the Brownson Stockfeld. Brownson Stockfeld is the biggest single contributor to the platform. That was a framing thing. That's our fault as a platform, right? Not appealing to the audience in a way the audience wants... Um, to be appealed to, right? Um, But then that slowly started changing with the stock fell and all of those things. But yeah, so these are the surprises that taught us that you don't know it all, you know, like, and you need to be reminded that you don't know it all. And I think if you're honest about mental growth and learning, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know and you must be like humble in that shit, you know? Like, I'm learning about finance in new ways. Like, finance is blowing my mind. What's that sound?
0: Yeah. What, what's that sound white right boys like I don't know I don't make those I don't make white boy sounds <laughs> mind blown
1: Joe Rogan likes it <laughs> um, mind blown like some of the leveraging that gets done in the market and I think that's where we're being left behind right because With, of the leverage yeah we're telling stories instead of learning how leverage works right because that's what businesses need understand how credit works so that you can grow your business one with other people's money and pay those other people you know that's that's it finance runs the world jay-z said it in a song and sometimes i like his old songs when he says do you fools listen to music or do you just skim skim through it it?" because he said it he said do you want to know how jews own thanks man joe's jews own all of america credit that's how like that line. People caught that. <laughs> that line is the fucking truth. You know, like that—that that is it. Credit, understanding of credit, and how to leverage credit, is the entire struggle. That's why black banks matter. But I think we want black banks just for the ownership of black banks, not understanding the credit and leverage that black banks
0: offer. You know, so yeah, man, it's—it's—it's
1: it's, it's a, it's a mindset.
0: How do we? Shift. How do you shift the way consumers believe and consume? believe in and consume black businesses and black entrepreneurs. Like, how do you shift people's understanding that, you know what, this is any business like, it's it's a business like any other, Mm -hmm. right? We don't necessarily have a different sort of, you know, gift or anything. Mm -hmm. We are offering value in different ways, whatever. Mm. The fight for empowering black businesses is not necessarily steeped in, hey, Mm. there's your race, go support them. Mm. It's just a deep inequality in the way the country is built it's about trying to level that off it's not necessarily hey no just but like be conscious of your Mm -hmm. buying decisions Mm. of your investment decisions sure so I
1: suppose a lot of the people who will be listening to your podcast the middle income people um, who start acting white when we get middle income and the problems of the world are not my problems I'm not dealing with that anymore and the problem with that is that you have a very shallow and narrow-minded perspective on the world um you want to enjoy the creature comforts of the suburban area without crime and that sort of thing get the in- income inequality out of the equation you know like helping helping or work i don't want to say helping because you're paying for a service that somebody's delivering or but supporting black businesses is about removing that income inequality you because I think Julius said this. He was like, and you and you blacks who are rich now or better off, you think you think when there's an uprising of the poor, they're only gonna go, I won't They're gonna be like you're part of the sellouts, you know, like you got out. You got out, you know, crabs in a barrel thing. So it's a bigger societal issue than just helping somebody like my like my kin. Which makes it easier. Like somebody who looks like me makes it easier, right? Or should make it easier, but it actually makes it harder because of the psychology, the psychological ramifications of apartheid. But for all of us to enjoy a comfortable society, and this is what I try to explain to white people, is that helping black businesses or supporting black businesses is for your own good. You know, like, what's the number one thing white people complain about? Crime. Crime is almost absolutely a function of income inequality. And poverty. Yeah almost absolutely, you know. Even, even the studies show, like, gender-based violence, when you look at the income inequality of a society, gender-based violence increases. So, gender-based violence includes things like uh, femicide, woman beatings, and rape, you know. So, often when I say it to people, they're going, you're saying stupid shit. I go, you want to decrease the raping of society? Get people employed.
0: Employed fairly. Yeah, so I saw this tweet just this week. It was about the ANC and just how um, about five years ago, oh, mm-hmm. I'd say 15 years ago, <laughs> their whole thing jobs. was, hey, guys, we're going to give you six million jobs. <laughs> and then 10 years ago, it was, hey, guys, we're going to give you four million jobs. And then five years ago, it was, hey, guys, we're going to give you a million jobs. And then the recent manifesto, which was last week, two seventy-five said, hey, jobs. guys, we're going to give you 275,000 jobs a year. <laughs> Was it a year or per month? I they think said a year. They think it was a per month. They definitely said a year. They said a year. They said a year. Oh, and I'm being nitpicky, but yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm going, this is someone that's given up. Yeah, this is someone that understands that they do not have the capacity to match what they're saying, mm-hmm. and there's no flipping ways we can lie again because the target was 2020, and then it was shifted to 2021. Now everyone's talking about 2030 goals. I'm like, wait. Each time you have a goal mm. and all you do is move the goalposts. Yeah. In 2023. What are we on? We, on? We, <laughs> I think it's 2023, <laughs> that's the new one. If you keep doing that, you don't necessarily
1: have to account for the goalposts You list. never,
0: ever, ever have to account because you'll never actually reach that point. So, my big question obviously, you know, obviously speaking about political parties, or whatever, but more deeply, does anyone actually have a solution to unemployment? Like, as it exists right now, is it a situation where everyone is just going, the jobs are gone? Or is it a situation of going, people, there's deep inefficiencies in the market and the way government operates, the way corporates operate, the way investment work. Mm. Is that the problem? Or is it just genuinely just a crisis that just has no end? So, I don't think... Mm, I
1: don't think it's a simple answer. Um, what I mean by that is this. So firstly, why is government promising jobs? And, I, and uh, what I mean by that is this, is that that's part of the culture we have to change, I think, in South Africa, or just in any socialist-led country, you know? Um, because this is the fuck-ups you do. Do you know, like, government employees are the best-paid employees in the country. Yes, as I know. By far. Like, in some places, threefold. Right? And it's, one, inefficient. Right? Um, two, just increases the tax bill. So, you've got you've got five million people basically supporting. So, you've got five million people basically supporting I say this loosely, 50 million people. Um, if the rest keeps increasing, right? It's an unsustainable model. Government stop promising jobs. What I would like government to do, and it's going to sound like a free market speaker, but I'm a very socialist person at heart, enable an environment for young entrepreneurs. And I'm not saying they're not doing enough. Well, no, no. I'm not saying they do not doing anything. They're definitely not doing enough. But there are things they've done. I don't know if they're the most competent but it's easy to speak from the outside because I've never run a government department. definitely I
0: mean it's very easy to go oh no the small business um, what's it the department of small business yeah it's easy to go from the outside oh no I haven't seen anything that actually adds value to where entrepreneurs are going or where yeah. small businesses are going but I haven't taken the time to make sure that I understand it enough mm. but do you think the entrepreneurs save us? Is that the ultimate solution? Is like in creating an enabling environment, empower them as much as possible, educate them as much as possible. I mean, I always think about this. It's just you've got this massive in, uh, unemployment problem, right? And then you've got a bunch of graduates with degrees. Yes. How who are How do we activate or how do you access those people to empower them in a way that can actually we can use the skills you have, not necessarily in the way that you thought you would be using them, mm-hmm. but in a way that can still add value to the site. Mm. So, number one... Like, I pretend your phone didn't just
1: ring. <laughs> number one, um what you just reminded me by asking that is that this is a multivariate problem, right? So, on the first layer... um it's entrepreneurship creates jobs, but that's the end goal. What we need to first fix is our education, how we think about education. Man, it pissed me off when I saw students who've got two hundred thousand spent on their education, right, um, placating going to uh, union buildings asking for jobs from government. I'm like, what the fuck are these institutions teaching when people are asking, bra? Bruh, you know one of the things I'm grateful for at university that didn't graduate? Um, was how it changed how I think, you know? What are we teaching now to these students? I think we're teaching an entitlement to X. Or somebody's telling them, if you graduate, you're entitled to a job. Or something. And also, students, there seems to be... And we have to attack things on both sides. So on one side... Um, Yes, government makes promises they never flip and keep. But they're politicians. They were born to do that. Um, but on the other side, we have to change our mindset. Just There's a delusion about graduation. Like Graduates have a delusion about, if I graduated, I'm starting an internship doing 20K a month. So my nigga, you just did four years of school, no experience. And somehow you deserve to be part of the 2% of the highest earners in the country? I think that's absolute fucking hogwash. Um, I think I'm swearing a lot because I'm getting tipsy. But, Masuru hates it when I talk about alcohol on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but the truth, truth be told is that we need to change how we think about resourcefulness. Um, there's no way you're so smart. Or, I actually did an interview this week of someone. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention their name. And man... They are so ill-equipped for life. Um, so this is someone that was interviewing for a job at your company. Yeah, um, they're a graduate, but they're so poorly equipped for life. Somebody told them how to do an interview. You know, like ask a basic question like, "What do you do for fun?" And they're like, "No, we studied." And I was like, "No, that sounds like an interview answer." So I was like, "This is not you, um, not even slightly, not at all." You know. Uh so Mashudu is looking at me, wondering why I'm looking outside. Just talk. <laughs> Answer the question. I'll explain to you after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the. N- They're so ill-equipped, and I go, "Fuck, you've got the degree, but there's n- I can't s- see anything of substance that you want ever happening. You know, like the only thing that could ever happen." is you getting hired in an admin job where it's like a computer could do that job. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to first fix how we think about ourselves, you know, like education and all of those things. So that's the multivariate problem. It's not only entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship can create the jobs, functional small businesses, and also stop glamorizing businesses because, you know, what's interesting. The businesses that I come across that make bank are so boring. Like, you can't even do an interview about them unless if you're interested in finance yeah. right like they make bank they are they are black businesses doing real amazing numbers you know like upwards of what fifty sort of million. of boring
0: industries are they mm. i know level would say waste management
1: yeah but there's no black companies doing anything interesting there as far as i know waste management would be that type of industry completely white owned. Um, When I say waste management, we have to be careful. Recycling of
0: plastic. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand where the confusion might be.
1: Yeah, because waste management, there's a very big multi-billion rand company that does waste management for government. Mm. Black owned. Yeah. So you have to be careful there. Um, And it does waste management for government, but on the sewer side. Um, Then there's insurance companies. Um... There's, I'm scared of how I say this so that I don't expose my friend. would be like vehicle disposal units and vehicle trading units, you know. Yeah. Um, there's also vet remittance for governments, companies, black owned, that are doing really amazing numbers. Um, manufacturing. Farming, um, well, agro-processing. Let me not say farming. I know a milling company that was doing 15 million a year, which is like a decent number amount of money. Um, Manufacturing. Also manufacturing. There's stuff that's not in the front end, you know. Um, Mm. But none of that brand stuff. So retail? Nah. E-commerce? Nah, No there's nobody in e-commerce making bank Mm -hmm. i'd argue take a lot maybe it's doing i'm making an estimation if i
0: i haven't looked at that industry in a while but i think they were but what you're saying is just basically businesses that rely on brand in order to sell to scale there's no scale they can't there's no brand there's no black brand i can
1: mention that's got like ridiculous numbers like ridiculously wow well done. You know, yeah. that I that I've seen. Um, I'm not saying they don't exist, but how do you fix that? Stop fucking building brands. Stop building businesses. Stop building businesses. Fuck brands. Make make money. Make money, my nigga. <laughs> like make money. That's it. Make money, my nigga. You know, like find real problems. You know, like, for example, so with the crowdfunding. Even with the crowdfunding, we were doing more bank than most of black businesses, right? Because we were, first year we did over a million, which is the ceiling. Um, but we pivoted. It was never going to be sustainable, you know, on its own, right? It's a long term play. As we build the crowd, we've got 1,000 people now. Now when we start a campaign, it's going to be easier. But as we Pivoted to purchase order financing. I mean, the first six months, we did a million, 1.3 million in purchase order financing. Then you go, shit, and we're still figuring this thing out, you know? Like, yo, we can do major damage with this thing, you know? So do the shit that matters. Because, like, that's actually what entrepreneurs needed funding for. The ones who can have the capacity to pay back. It's the ones who got contracts, but they don't have the capital to execute on them, you know? So find real problems. That matters majorly. So much so that... I don't know if you notice, if my social media has decreased a lot. I don't even talk about the people's fund that much. Yeah. Because I don't need to sell anyone. Yeah. The business happens in the back end. Nobody generally needs to know. And if I'm sharing, I'm actually trying to help people make a, a nice buck because we make good bank on the purchase orders, you know? Um, yeah. But if people understood finance, and understand how ridiculous the numbers were doing are yeah. and that's why so the big interest is actually coming mostly from white companies um there's a few black investment companies who are very interested in putting money,
0: which is nice, you know because yeah. just what? to pivot right <laughs> yeah because now you're just going into a deep dog hole <laughs> with competitors and I don't know what else, but just to pivot and end this right. Mm. So we were both featured in the um, Black Label Champions Men uh, yeah. Warner Magazine issue Which I thought was really great um, Until someone mm. asked me Oh, it's so cool um, You took these pictures and they look Really good, mm. and you guys like Did this interview and it's really cool But what now? Where's the impact of what you're doing? How does this reach young boys In Soweto, young boys in Davidson Young boys in Tembisa?" Mm. Why does this matter I was heartbroken (laughs) Because Once the magazine moves on Once the brand moves on Mm. Onto the next campaign Onto whatever The analyst has told them That where brands are going And what marketing speaks to people Mm. Those people will move on Mm. But what would be the impact Of you telling your story In this magazine for example and what will it, why will it matter in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Oh,
1: man, you know my stance on any PR campaign, right? Generally think it doesn't matter for shit, right? Like, I'm going to be frankly honest. Um, why I actually picked, why I actually agreed to this, I was actually doing some gig for staring cinemas. Um, they were like, we wanted. How they sold it to me, they were like, we wanted to tell real stories of what looks like it's impactful, but it's not in the spotlight, right? But then I was like, that's my kind of thing, you know? Where there's real work being done. It's not like just a popularity contest. It's not the fluff. It's not the fluff. Um, And tell that story, um, which was exciting. And unfortunately... Some of the things I think there was a missed opportunity was that we ended up telling stories about our upbringing. You know, like the questions directed us. I was like, man, I wish I could redirect this interview to a different direction. What is that? Nah, I don't think that's the important stuff. I don't... Because then we sit... Because, for example, I don't come from a a poor background, right? Um, I'm not going to fit the archetypal story of poor black boy who made it big in the city you know like i come from fairly middle black middle income i'm white poor i'm black rich (laughs) right um fairly affluent middle income background you know so i'm not going to fit the archetypal story and then also i'm scared sometimes it creates the excuse because we all need justification when somebody creates a success you know Instead of emulating the mechanisms that it's done, then we go ah, but it comes from middle income. Of course, it was going to be very successful. You know, like that's part of the reason. I'm not going to disagree with that. And we need to get as many black people middle income as possible, so we can extract as much knowledge from those people. But we could tell better stories about finance. You know, like understand how the People's Fund works and what does black entrepreneurship need in South Africa. Then they were asking me. Questions about my upbringing and that sort of thing, and that just, yeah. It became another one of those interviews. Young yeah, black and doing something. Yeah, young black and doing something. Unfortunately, though, could be, and I suppose brands are doing their thing. And what sucks is I fucking love black label. Like I'm drinking it all the fucking. I don't label. think it sucks.
0: I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think. Just to end this off, what do you think the impact that you want to make on this year? Like, What, what does that look like? Oh, like, man. If we do this again, three years running, you're the first podcast I do. Yeah. Next what year, will matter to you to tell me this day, next year?
1: Man, if we've impacted 300 businesses from a purchase order perspective, then I'd say we did a good thing this year. If we were able to help 300 entrepreneurs to deliver to corporate, Boom. Of course, be profitable, right? And I've already got the number in my head, sort of what it looks like my ideal number. Mm. But I'm not throwing that out in the market anymore. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, I know, like, on our current projection, our current trajectory, we're probably going to do 10 million this year. Um, but I expect it to be much higher if we do our, play our cards right, right? And then now we're starting to talk about a real business. I think at 10 million now, you're a real business. You know, like, now it matters what you're doing. Um, Yeah. So that would be it. 300 entrepreneurs impacted in the next 12 months or 11 months. We're halfway through January. Then we did the work for this year. Um, We did the work. And then keep increasing that number. It's basically simple. Because I know 300 entrepreneurs impacted means... 300 jobs guaranteed to be permanent. At yeah. least, I'm not gonna promise 275 thousand a year. <laughs> <laughs> this was a very mellow interview. Like it was very chilled. It
0: to. I think we're both tired because we just no, came back from leave. You vibe. <laughs> new vibe. Uh, I guess you relaxed and I take everything out. <laughs> <laughs> Extract everything. Good luck for the year. Yeah, man. All the best. Okay. Same to you. I'm pretending to care. Yeah.